Everybody, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about comics, specifically the DC Comics released on March twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. But first, this past weekend was WonderCon, and this has sort of become DC's like home convention. It seems like when they tend to break big news. Uh, two years ago, the entire Rebirth lineup was announced at WonderCon, and this year we had uh, two slightly uh, smaller announcements. Uh, one of them quite big, though, and we'll start with that one. So Scott Snyder took the stage to talk with uh, DC Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris, Mr. Bob Harris, if you will, and uh, <laughs> as, as well as uh, Jim Lee and Dan Didio, the co-publishers of DC, and he was talking about New Justice, which is the sort of initiative of the Justice League and Titans books coming out of the No Justice event, which happens in May. Um... And uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, but I, first we should talk about the two new books that are coming out of it. The first is Justice League Dark by James Tynion IV and Alvaro Martinez, and that features a team of Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Constantine, Man Bat, Detective Chimp, and Dr. Fate, as well as Justice League Odyssey by Joshua Williamson and Stepan Sayek, which is a team made up of Cyborg, Starfire, Azrael, Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, and Darkseid. Um, just, an, I want just your initial thoughts, boys, on what you think of these two books. Zach, we'll start with you. Um, WTF. <laughs> um, what the, what was the, what was wild, the, or, wild blank frontier. He couldn't there's figure that out the one, two. but yeah. what's the original one? What's the like new 52 oh. o- open cover? WTF. What did this stand for? Oh, we should know this. We really should. Well, it wasn't What the 52, was it? Maybe it was. Wouldn't that what? be the worst? I think it might have been What the 52, guys. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> oh, that's almost as bad as 50 Sue. Yeah. 50 Sue. <laughs> uh, so, a boy named 50 Sue. Exactly. Uh, so, Zach, so, you know, aside, aside from what the 52. Um, uh, so, Justice League Dark is back and it's good again. Mm-hmm. And Justice League Odyssey, um, I told you guys this, but initially my my immediate impression to that was this is like the exact parallel to the recent Al Ewing Ultimates book at Marvel. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. Vince, what did you think initially? I'm very aroused. (laughs) Uh, I think these look great. Um, I've been clamoring for some Justice League titles that that get a little different, you know, and I feel like that's what we're getting here. And the creative teams are incredibly strong. I mean, we're talking about two of my favorite writers at DC right now who are doing two of the best series that DC has right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and two of the best artists. Yes, and two of the best artists. And just 
wild teams. We've been we've been talking about wanting some some wild teams. You know, like I would love it if there were like five or six Justice League teams. Bring back Justice League Detroit. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I have a thought on that in a minute. But go ahead. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know, I, I may have a quibble or two. Like I'm not sure I need Darkseid to be agreed. But I just. In general, I just wish Darkseid was more of a uh, rare occurrence. You know, I feel like I feel like Darkseid is somebody who should show up every three or four years or something. But I feel like since I feel like since the New Fifty Two started, he's been a more or less constant presence in these books. Yeah, they've really doubled down on him as like the big Justice League villain. Where yeah. I would have never thought of that before the New 52. Yeah, which, you know, it's fine if he shows up once in a while and, and, and does that. But uh, I don't need, like, I don't need, like, a Dark Side solo series like Thanos has over at Marvel, you know? Right. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping the way that he's used, I mean, it all comes down to I trust the creative team here to handle it well. You know, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, I just I just like that they're going for it. You know, I like that they're treating their Justice League teams like they're uh, really high quality properties. You know, yeah. Um, I feel like there's been some swings and misses at that lately. So let's uh, kind of going off of that. I think why don't we just like go through the teams and break it down and give our yays and nays. Well, I, I do want to say just one quick thing before that. So, um, okay. one of the things that Snyder talked about is how these books are going to be more interconnected than Justice League books have been in the past, and that team members are going to pop up in each other's books and that. So, I was I was looking at this, the cover for this Snyder Justice League number one, and I wonder if Wonder Woman and Cyborg are going to be a major part of that book, or if they're going to more or less be part of their own teams. You know, uh, so basically, I'm wondering kind of how much crossover we're going to get with the team members. Because I have to say, as much as I like Cyborg and Wonder Woman, I think that the main Justice League team is more interesting without them. Just because it's something different. Interesting. I mean, I kind of got the impression that we'll see a lot of interplay, like, back and forth. Like, we may see, you know, since they're all operating out of the same space... Right, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. Yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, there's a good chance that we may not only see, obviously, like, Wonder Woman and Cyborg kind of splitting off into these other two teams, but we might see members from those teams interacting with the main Justice League in a kind of, like, Justice League Unlimited type way. Snyder specifically mentioned Unlimited in his his remarks. Right. This feels 100% inspired by that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I like your idea, Zach. So, do you want to do this? You want me to do this in terms of uh, teams? Um, I can start us off. Do we want to start with Dark or Odyssey? Vince, call it Odyssey. Okay, Odyssey, easier. Um, so yeah, so like we said, um, I, I I guess maybe he's not the de facto leader, but it kind of seems like Cyborg kind of is since he's the Justice League representative on this team, right? He and Jessica, um, at least. True. Yeah, that's true. I guess I think of 
cyborg now is since he's like a found quote unquote founding member you know plus also, he's the he's the chairman right now too you know yeah, i also think that they've pretty much said that he's the leader of this team okay i might have missed that so but but that's cool um um and this kind of ever ascending arms race to make um cyborg um to raise his profile, which I'm totally fine with, but it is, you know, it's kind of interesting how that's happened over the last few years. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I like Cyborg. Yeah, me too. Yeah, my my one hesitation with Cyborg in this role is that it sounds like, and we'll get to this in a minute. Dan Abnett is making the Titans book more of a like heroes who are in between Titans and Justice League title. And I feel like that's a more natural fit for Cyborg than this is. But that's mm-hmm. again, that, that that that's a minor quibble. I like I like the higher profile of Cyborg. Mm-hmm. I just like him interacting with those characters because I have a nostalgic reason to like him interacting with those characters. Right. It yeah, it'll be interesting. I you know, I'm I wonder if we will ever get back to kind of a status quo that allows for those characters to really interact because we are going on, you know, the better part of a decade where Cyborg has been kind of outside of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, you mentioned um, Jessica Cruz. I think this is a great use of her. Of her, I think it's good... As much as I understand why she and Simon were put together at the start of Rebirth, I'm glad she's going to be doing some stuff without Simon. Here, here. Yes, me too. Um, we don't know where Simon is. We don't, you're right. I am not terribly upset to not know that yet. But it is interesting now that the two lanterns that... Um, have places in the Justice League are John and Jessica. We don't know anything about where the others are going. We don't know what's up with Hal. We don't know what's up with Simon. Mm-hmm. Or Guy or Kyle. Right, but they they haven't been on the Justice League in a yeah. while. So, But you're right. You're correct. I actually, um, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I bet Kyle winds up on that Titans team eventually. That would be fantastic, I think. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so next we have um, Starfire. Yeah. Which I guess I have to roll back my statement about the Titans, like Cyborg and the Titans, because this is, um, you know, here we go. We have Cyborg and Starfire back together again. Yeah. I I had said to, to the boys in a, a group chat we have going, that I'm surprised that this spot isn't going to Supergirl. Because it, it seems to me like that's slightly more of a natural fit. And DC always likes to have like a Super or a Bat representative on most of their teams. So I, I think it's a little bit unusual. Not unusual. I, I think it would have made as much or more sense to have Supergirl in the spot. But I think that Starfire is, um, again, like if we're talking about an alien being on the team, this is one that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm cool with it. Vince? Yes. Um, yeah, you know, Starfire, 
I just think of her as a Titan, you know, and that doesn't mean she can't be a member of the Justice League, you know, but this one, this one just seems less essential to me, but I'm fine with it. That's fair. I'm, I'm excited to see her, I guess, interact with Cyborg some and, um, you know, obviously a very, a, a good cosmic character. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty okay with it. I guess I don't really have a lot more to say though. We're getting to the big guns now. The big guns. Uh, so yeah, Asriel. I I love it. I don't understand it, but I love it. It's so weird. So I said to you guys that I would have pegged um, Luke Fox in this role. Uh-huh. Before before Azrael, because he seems like a character who would be primed to, um, you know, he's like very technologically based. Not that Azrael isn't, but he's more like religion is his thing. Um, he even though he has like a suit of armor, he's very um, like mystical based in, in a way. I guess I don't know, but yeah, this seemed like Batwing in space would have made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah um i you know me i'm like a uh asriel apologist <laughs> they're, they're not getting to 100 issues without him you know <laughs> you're, you're right <laughs> you're really right um i love that that's become a running gag on our show <laughs> you're not supposed to everybody knows you're not supposed to you're supposed to call it out oh come on <laughs> um yeah, no, I like Ezreal. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Again, he doesn't seem essential, but uh, <laughs> that's well, fine. I, I I feel like for all these other characters, you can look at it and say like, oh, that makes sense. You know, uh, Starfire is an alien. Cyborg is this technological, you know, genius. Uh, Jessica Cruz is a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's going to be like, I feel like this is the character that requires a scene. With him being like, are you guys sure I'm right for this team? And I'm interested to see what Williamson is going to have. Yeah. What, what Williamson's explanation is going to be. I look forward mm-hmm. to that because I think it, I think it's a really interesting, bold character to put on this on, on a Justice League team. Period. On a cosmic Justice League team, especially. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna have a meet God. Is what's oh, gonna God, happen. Oh so. man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be so fun. Yeah. Um. But well, I mean. He he will already meet one god, a new god, a new a new god, new new god, new god is, dark side is yeah. <laughs> so you I have guys. one thought about this. I wish that it was like I wish that it was kid dark side. I wish that he hadn't grown up in Jane Mar- James Robinson's. Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was like in a baby Bjorn, like we saw him in uh, in Metal. <laughs> yes, not maybe not that baby. Maybe not I wish baby it was, Dark Side. I wish it was sexy young adult Dark Side. Yeah, that, that would be better. That would be Lobo better. Lobo adjacent Dark Side. Yes. Sexy Lobo, Lobo adjacent. Lobo, <laughs> sexy Lobo. Sexy Lobo Dark Side. Um, <laughs> I wish like I kind of am. He has a new design and everything that looks kind of eerily similar to um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Ronan. Ronan oh, the well, Accuser, yeah. Ronin. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, 
but whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm. This is the one I'm honestly kind of like most interested and least interested in, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I want to see what's going to happen, but I could also kind of leave this behind. Now, it was described by Snyder at the event as the team's Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. And like, depending how literally you take that, does that mean that they have him in captivity and he is just like consulted on things? Because that is very different than him like suiting up and fighting aliens with the Justice League. Right. Well, and like when I made that comparison to Ultimates, this is immediately reminiscent of when that book was announced uh, with Galactus on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the role that Galactus played in that book wasn't like a typical team member necessarily. Um, which, which I expect to be the case here. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Darkseid's presence lasted only like an arc or two. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, Guys, I got. Can I can I present a scenario here? Yeah. Imagine, if you will, that the Joker was on a Justice League team. Too dang twisted. Can you even imagine? He's not supposed to be on a. He's he's not a hero. He doesn't play well with others. Right. Well, when Justice League Suicide comes out, and (laughs) you just blew my mind. Vince put a gun up to his head, and it said bang. And then his More persona came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, <we'll> play it. <laughs> Brian doesn't get that joke, Zach. Only weebs. <laughs> Only us weebs. <laughs> I'm just happy we're getting off the joke, because I'm getting a little scared over here. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about Justice League Dark. Uh, do you mind if do you, do you want to do this one, Zach? Or you want me to go through these? Teams? You can go for it. Uh, I have a whole list here. So uh, obviously, uh, we'll start with Wonder Woman. How do you guys feel about her being the team, of, the leader of this team? I like it a heck of a lot more than wasn't Batman on Justice League Dark back in the New Fifty Two. I don't think <sighs> anybody don't, was. You don't no. think? It, I thought Batman at least was there for like an arc or something. He he showed up in the. He did show up, but he wasn't on the team. Maybe okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I he, I thought that was yet a... He was also like the covert leader of Justice League International. No, I know that. Yeah, for some reason, I'm just I I just felt like that was another time where they tried to smuggle a, a unique Justice League under the guise of Batman. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm, pro- I'm, I'm probably pretty sure they went to Gotham during yeah. the first arc. Wasn't the crossover with I Vampire is set in Gotham? I believe or partially it was. in Gotham. Oh, that could be what I'm thinking but, of. Got um Batman also crossed over with I Vampire outside of that crossover too. That's true Jesus too. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the New Fifty Two, like if you if you go through the New Fifty Two, any book that wasn't like a marquee Superman, Batman, Green Lantern book had Batman in the first five or ten issues. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one did. So does that make Justice, Suicide, uh, Squad. Suicide Squad the new Batman? 
Yes. That's twisted. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, uh, so, yeah. Now, I love Wonder Woman in this. I think that's the best. I think it's definitely the best uh, of the current Justice League members to be the leader. And I like, I like the acknowledgement of Wonder Woman being so important to the DC Universe. It's about time she got her her fair shake. So, and she has history as a Justice League leader a few times in the past too. Mm-hmm. So, all that's good for me. Um, all right, let's just go through these quickly. Uh, Zatanna. Yes. A plus. Yes. A plus. Also makes sense. She was a you know, she was part of like the Justice League Dark Trinity. Uh huh. In yes. the New Fifty Two, basically. And and Tynion wrote a lot of her in. Uh, a detective. Oh, you were right. I didn't think about that. I was I with these announcements, I was trying to make the, you know, the previous the yeah. the connections to the to the writer's previous works and I I didn't think about that. And she is of all of the members of this team aside from Dr. Fate and probably even more so than Dr. Fate, she has the most experience as a Justice League member, not just the dark, but like just mm-hmm. the proper, so I think it's it's a good fit, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, love it. Very good, very good. Um, Constantine. Yep, gotta have him. Obvious. Not the mama. Gotta love him. <laughs> um, will I like this Constantine? I don't know. I oh, have probably not. He did, you know, Tynion did write Hellblazer. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. That's right. He was wrote his, the, the... Was that the Riley Rossmore one? Yeah. That was the good one. He co-wrote it. Didn't he, he co-write, co-write with Ming Doyle? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, as long as, long as his uh, plunker is on the mend <laughs> this time around. Ooh, ooh. Um, new Clayface, I mean Mambat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Me too. Very good choice, I think. He's yeah. a dang Dracula, basically. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, like I said, it does kind of stink of new Clayface. I said that half in jest, um, but I'm still game for it. Oh, you. Uh, Detective Chimp. <laughs> yes. A, A plus plus. A plus it had to plus. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after the events of Metal. Right. Oh, yeah. I just love that the image of him that got released um, with the announcement, the one where he's just kind of like lumbering with the sword over his shoulder and the yeah. bottle of whatever that is. It looks like Coke, but I imagine it's something stronger. <laughs> yeah. Hennessy. It's probably soda. It's soda. Soda Yeah. Do you guys know the name of... Because that, that's the Coke equivalent in the DC Universe. Do you know the name of the Pepsi equivalent in the DC Universe? <laughs> uh, I don't... Oh. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's zesty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh. joking. That's legitimate. Oh. Never change, DC. There, there was an hour cosmic episode titled, <laughs> Is Zesty Okay? <laughs> 
Has that joke ever been made in a comic? I don't I don't know, but I gotta hope it has been. Oh god, DC hire us. Yeah, hire us, please. Please. Um Doctor Fate, last one. I love Doctor Fate. Yeah, fucking A. I'm very excited he's about good. this. He's good. He's he's good. It'd be even better if it were uh the Muslim Doctor Fate, but yes. it's probably not. Yes. I can't oh, remember god. his name right now, but Um Neither can I, and I'm gonna sound. I'm gonna sound neither, like. Neither I'm gonna sound like DC. <laughs> Touche. That's a better what? joke than I was gonna make. You said neither <laughs> does DC. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't remember any Doctor Fate. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Doctor Who. And Paul Levitz is just back there in the corner, like. Uh, I, uh, they're like quiet, Paul. <laughs> 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 I, I've been trying to work on my. My deal laugh has to be higher pitched. He is really. <laughs> there, I'm working there, on it. There, yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good. That's that's really good. I'm yeah. There. All right. I so like so, so let's talk about some of the other elements of this uh, new initiative. So everything with these Justice League teams, as well as the Titans teams, it appears, are, are based out of the Hall of Justice, and that the Hall of Justice has, to quote Scott Snyder, magical portals. That bring yeah. the various Justice League, the various teams to their individual headquarters. Um, this is like such a little kid Brian writing his own stories with action figures move. I fucking love it so much. Like yeah. it, it's such a it's such a an amazing like balls to the wall concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you guys are are you guys of the opinion that it's too dumb or just dumb enough? No, I like it because um, this this feels like a really um, like well fleshed out concept, and I I even like um, you know I like how he mentioned that everything's going to be kind of interacting. Tynion's going to be co-writing some issues of Justice League, um, particularly the ones that have to do with the Legion of Doom, which we haven't even mentioned yet. Oh. Right. I've been um, saying that on this dang show for years now that I want the Legion of Doom back. <laughs> you got him. Oh. Um, oh. But yeah, this just feels um, really intentional, more so than I think we the the Justice League books have felt for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, this this feels way more. Like thought out and well intentioned than, especially the New Fifty Two Justice League, and the reason I'm, I'm mentioning that era is because that was the first time in a very long time that it felt like they were putting the Justice League up front. You know, like they were saying Justice League is our flagship book. This is a big deal, and yet I feel like aside from the main Justice League title, they never really crossed over with the other books. There were these little moments of of storyline. Like for instance, Steve Trevor mentions in this week's Justice League in this week's Wonder Woman rather, that he put together like his own Justice League. Mm-hmm. And that was the Justice League of America that Jeff Johns wrote mm-hmm. uh, in the New Fifty Two. But like when was the last time anybody else talked about that book? Like that book came and went very yeah. Justice League International came and went without anybody talking about it. Like Dark stuck around a while, but once it was gone, it was never referenced again. Like this seems like this is setting up these books to be to be really important to the overall DC universe. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. The John's justice league book was 
it was it was weird because it was almost kind of more just this this overarching bat like backbone book for the new 52 that nothing really interacted with but that it, it was like the the meta narrative sort of you know what i you yeah. know yeah it's a good way to put it um whereas like in rebirth justice league has been very much kind of a you know a back burner second fiddle um kind of playing off of what everything that's going on in the greater DCU. Almost a 180. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Snyder also mentioned that both the Teen Titans and the Titans are going to have a greater Justice League connection. That The Teen Titans will be led by Robin and will feature Kid Flash and Red Arrow. And the only other character they've made known so far is Lobo's daughter. Yeah. Which is uh, either the best or worst idea that DC's best, had in a long time. Best my daughter's ID since the since the Joker's daughter. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh God, now I'm scared. <laughs> uh, how many daughters do you think Lobo has out there? Uh, well, he has one he's... who's just a bad bastard, and then he has stupid, <laughs> sexy Lobo's daughter, and then. Well, you know um, he's fragged his way across the galaxy, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, I wonder yeah. how how Zarnians reproduce, though. <laughs> they just they just pump out the knuckle budding by budding. Yeah. <laughs> um, something something space dolphin, um, but. <laughs> Oh, jeez, Brian, I just ate a whole plate of Dingo Magoo. <laughs> I guess we every time. Um, but, the, you know, we don't... We don't have the strongest creative team on this book. Uh, although Bernard Chang is dope, and we're all aware of that. Um, but Adam Glass of everyone's favorite... Suicide Squad run the New 52 Suicide Squad is writing the book. Um, you know, I, I am willing to give this book a shot because it feels to me like this is a more contained lineup of books and that there is intentionality behind all of these titles. So I think Glass comes from a television writing background and so I think he probably is adept at working within a writing team. So mm-hmm. that gives me some hope for this. What do you guys think about Teen Titans? Um Yeah, I don't really I, I don't I don't really like this shake up as much, but um I'm hoping for the best, I guess. Yeah, I I'm of all of these um this is maybe the one I'm the least into, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I I do like the designation that this is truly the teen heroes now. Like getting Raven and Starfire and uh, Beast Boy off the team, I think is a good thing. Yeah. Which leads us into Titans, which will be continued to be written by Dan Abnett. Um, and will feature a uh, 
a new team that will be co-led by Nightwing and Raven, and mm. will include uh, Steel, Beast Boy, and Miss Martian. Steel, yeah. That's a really interesting lineup, too, to me. Mm-hmm. Because Steel is certainly not a kid anymore, you know, uh, or really never was. And so, but I do like the idea of this sort of being the transitional team, the folks who maybe aren't, quote, ready for a Justice League spot yet, even though I think that's a bit insulting to somebody mm-hmm. who was once Batman and uh, and Steel. But I understand the idea of it. Titans aren't for kids anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I said, I could see this team expanding quite a bit too. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like a five-person team. Who? Do you, oh, you are, you already said who you think is going to be on there. No, I, I hope I hope Kyle will be on there. I could also see. I, I think you're going to see possibly Wally West, uh, the older Wally West on this team. But we'll see. I just feel like of all the other Titans characters, he is the one that. Uh, that DC needs to do something with because he's the one that people care about. No offense to Roy Harper, who I love, as you know. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I actually wouldn't be shocked if Wally took over the Flash title or Wally became the Flash of the Justice League. You gotta make that um, Timverse connection even stronger. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's okay. Wally's better than Barry. Yes, he is. In every conceivable way. Um, And the last thing I want to talk about is that Snyder mentioned that there's another book coming you can't talk about just yet from Brian Hill that will spin out of his Detective Comics run. And he mentioned specifically Black Lightning as a part of that. So this this has to be an Outsiders book, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this arc he's doing in Detective is about him training Cass and Duke. So I think you're going to see those three as the core of the new Outsiders team. I can All see right. that. Yeah. It, I, it's interesting. I kind of thought that... Uh, I was like, oh, well, Cass is kind of an interesting like uh, swap out for um, Katana. Mm-hmm. Member, but it almost seemed like in today's Suicide Squad that Katana quit the team. Oh, man. Oh, did so, it? I... <laughs> somebody read Suicide Squad? Yeah. I felt it was my, my obligation to read it because I knew not either of you guys would even open it. Um, but it, it's kind of left ambiguous if she's if she is staying around or not. But so I could see her joining that team too. And then um, the other like classic members are Geoforce, mm-hmm. who we haven't seen in I want to say since pre Flashpoint. We we've had Markovia mentioned, but I don't think we've seen Geoforce at all. Didn't we? Did, wasn't he just in that like one image from one of those from either the forge or the casting? Remember, he might for- have been yes, and Maybe. I think I think he also might have been on the screen in that first issue of Justice League International. Could be, yeah. Um, but we haven't seen anything like with it, you know any character any storyline stuff with him. No. And then uh, the other main character typically is Metamorpho, and I was thinking about this today, and I guess we can get into it more when we get into the terrifics, but. I don't know if the Terrifics is going to be a long-term team book or not. I can kind of see it being a 12-issue story. Yeah. Or an 8-issue story. So maybe, maybe Metamorpho will be part of that team after all. Mm. We'll see. 
Um, you know, I could almost see Wally end up on an Outsiders book. Oh, that could be kind of fun. Interesting. But I think that the Outsiders are going to... And this is... I have no reason for believing this. But just this is what kind of where my mind is at. I think they're going to be like the secret Justice League, much like the secret Avengers. Mm-hmm. Where they're sort of the Black Ops um, undercover team. Justice League blobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, because when you think about it then, you have the Justice League to handle like the big stuff. Odyssey to handle the cosmic stuff. Dark to handle the uh, supernatural stuff. Uh, Outsiders to handle the sort of street level covert stuff. And then the Titans and Teen Titans to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think overall, this is a pretty great series of announcements. Yeah. And then the big announcement that Hawkman is his own one-man Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you think that... Did you, I, I thought that that was kind of weird, that that book is being um, kind of shoved under the Justice League banner. Well... Two things. Excuse me. Yawn, yawn, yawn. First of all, it is spinning out of metal, which all this stuff is. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of a natural connection there. And Hawkman is one of like the ten or so um, like key Justice League members over the past 50 years. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's just the only solo book, so that makes it um, stand out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've often said he's DC's Exo Manowar. (laughs) You have often said that. I don't actually recall you ever saying that. Um, no, ask, I know you've said it hundred, again. hundreds of times. <laughs> um, Although every time I can never quite gauge how facetious you're being. Like I, <laughs> it's like it's become its own. It's the it's the tale that became true in the telling. Well, the the other solo book that is um, that was mentioned by Scott Snyder in this presentation was the New Green Arrow creative team. Ah, uh, yeah. Of, uh, Julian Shauna Benson and Javi Fernandez. I'm fine with this. This isn't the sexiest announcement I've ever heard, but I'm I'm okay with it. What about you guys? I like Javi. Yeah, yeah. Javi Fernandez is great. Good. The- He's going to be great on uh, on Green Arrow. That's going to look fantastic. Um, as far as the Bensons, I think at their best, like at the best arcs of Birds of Prey, were perfectly fine. Uh, you know, sh- street level, your average DC street level comic. You know, yeah. And I think if we get that in Green Arrow, that is that's perfectly acceptable to me. That's. We we just had a really great run, I think, that had a couple ups and downs, but I feel like if we get like arcs that are similar to the best of what Birds of Prey was, that's a book that I won't mind reading. You know, now Birds of Prey had some arcs that were kind of dumb and and kind of boring to read, and that's that obviously could happen too. But you know, looking at it as an optimist, I I don't hate this. And so Strowski, the eternal optimist. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Um, 
I did want to point something out in the press release to this. So, let's see how well you guys do. They list 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 8 writers as being the comic greats that have written Green Arrow. How many of these can you guys name? Eight. There's eight, but so like I'll so Vince, you start, then Zach goes, and we'll go back and forth. So okay, Vince, good idea. Uh, name one of the eight. Kevin Smith. Correct. Um, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> sorry, I just thought of something funny. Um, Sick Kevin Smith again because he's so great. No, no. <laughs> Did they say Jeff Lemire? They do say Jeff Lemire. Okay, I figured right. they would. Uh, Mike Grell. Uh, correct. I guess I forgot that Mike Grell wrote it as as well as illustrated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got three. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh. Um. Judd Winnick. No. What? Really. Is he like banned from being mentioned at DC anymore, or what? What happened? I mean, to be his, fair, his run was like really well, like it it went for a long time. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't quite as well received as his Green Lantern run. No, but like it it had, I don't know. I I thought that that run was like pretty well received though. Yeah, it had the weird. whole like marriage of like he he married Ollie and Dinah. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Okay, well, I, I just lost a point. That's wild. Vince, you're up. You guys are okay. forgetting, like, the big one. Just just wait, just wait. Oh, wait, I've got I've got one, I think. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, Denny O'Neill. That's the big one, yes. Yeah. Hard Traveling Heroes, right? That yeah. was... Yeah. Okay, so Vince has three points and I have one right now? Yes. <laughs> Uh, didn't Kirby do some Green Arrow? I don't think so. I don't think so. I thought there was an omnibus about that. There is a... Huh. Well, no, he is not listed here. Okay. Dang it. All right, Vince. Uh, oh, that was a guess? That was a guess, Kirby, yeah. Um. Well, they must say they must say uh, Ben Percy. They do. They do. Oh, okay, obviously, man, I'm getting trounced here. <laughs> There's only like one more writer that I can think of, and it's the one I like chuckled about earlier. And so now that? I don't want to. I don't want to say it. No, you have to go for it. I already said I chuckled about it. That's mean. Say Look. it. It's obvious. We don't. Anna Senti? No. That's she's a, she about. is on the list, Vince. You got a point. <laughs> Vince wins. He's already got five points. I was going to say JT Crawl. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Uh, Didn't yeah. Anna write like nine issues or something? And that's I want to say she did an earlier run, possibly. Oh, okay. But that, be, yeah. that New 52 run was fucking terrible. So it was bad, and I was so excited for it. Like, I thought yeah. it was going to be great. Because we all loved her on Daredevil. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. But yeah, if that's all that they're referring to, that's 
That's hilarious. Um, so we've, we've got six of the eight right now, right? Yeah. One of them is, you'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And one of them you'll be like, oh, God, no. Well, I forget who created Green Arrow. That's that's the one who will make sense to you. Yeah. It's Mort Weisinger. Oh, yes, of course. Okay. And... Oh! Hang on. Oh, go, oh, go, no. Go. go. Andrew Kreisberg. No. no. Dang it. I thought that would be the U one. <laughs> um I have to say this wait. guy is no this person is known for their Don't sh- say it. No, no. Listen, I'm giving I'm, I'm giving you a clue. Brad Meltzer. Yeah, Brad Meltzer, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. What, what I was gonna say is Brad Meltzer's Green Arrow actually isn't that bad, but everyone remembers him for identity crisis and so Right. Didn't you know. Meltzer, what how was Meltzer's uh JLA well was it well received or I have a soft spot for it but I don't think it's particularly well liked. Yeah, I've know. only read the issues that are in the Lightning Saga. That was there was a fun team though. It was like um, it was it, Roy, it is a fun team. It was Roy and Vixen and Hawk Girl and Red Tornado and Kyle. I and, thought it was John. It might be John. And uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I've really wanted to read for a long time but never have? What's that? Tangential off of this. The Dwayne McDuffie run that started after after Meltzer left. We should do that as one of our book club picks soon. We should do that. I think it only it ran for about like 20 issues or so. Yeah. And it tied in with the, um, the Dan Jurgens um, tangent universe, which I've always had like a morbid fascination with. Oh boy, super interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and milestone. Yeah, and comics were good ones. <laughs> they can be good again. We can make comics great again. No, we can't. The world is garbage. Um, all right, well, let's take a break, and we'll be back to talk about this week's comics in just a minute. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. And we are back, and we're going to start with the finale of Dark Knight's Metal, number six, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Greg Capullo. Um, this is about as bombastic and batshit crazy as I expected it to be. There were a couple of moments that I I really really enjoyed, and uh, you know this this book was somewhat undercut by the fact that it's a couple months delayed, and if some of this stuff had happened like. If the Plastic Man reveal had came before the Terrifics, that would have been, you know, cool. Uh, a few things like that. But overall, I thought this was a very, very satisfying end to this event. And, uh, yeah, I have more to say, but I want to hear what you guys think first. Zach, go for it. Um, This is a hard issue to review for me. I really liked it, but 
and uh, I don't know. In in some ways, I feel like it's lesser than the sum of its parts. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, like there are a lot of really really cool things that happen in here. A lot of like DC three catnip. Um, but overall, I don't really know if it says all that much. I don't know. It's just that it is. It's a big, dumb, fun metal comic, you know. Um, with with homages to a bunch of stories that I really really love already. So that's pretty good. Um, even one, you know, what this issue really reminded me of. Did either of you guys ever read the um, Alex Ross Jim Kruger? justice miniseries no no there's a there's a part at the towards the end of that series where all of the justice league members get suits of armor made from the metal men (laughs) and that's what this reminded me of sure Um, yeah i think that this issue has its faults but i loved it and i loved it for its faults because ultimately ultimately it wears its heart on its sleeve and I'm a big sucker for that like remember when Snyder kicked this whole thing off and he said that it's it's about uh what you do when you feel hopeless or when you feel like the darkness like I don't I don't want to say like you could bring up the current state of America or the world, right? You know, I'm I'm pretty sure he did reference that. Yeah. And he talked about, you know, when, when, when things feel hopeless, what you do, you know? And while I don't think that, you know, what you read here, you can apply to your life or anything. <laughs> like you're not going to learn anything. I love that it wears on its sleeve, this idea of all these heroes raising the earth up out of the darkness, like literally by the end. And that's corny and it's goofy and um, it's done in a really fantastical, ultimately nonsensical way. It's almost like Dragon Ball where like they, you know, oh, they need to get to the next power level, but they could never do it. And then, oh, they made it to the next power level, you know, uh, in this case, it's the next medal, you know, oh, they found the 10th medal, you know, um, don't don't knock Dragon Ball. The end of Super was very Italian chef kiss. I'm not. I love Dragon Ball, but it's, you know, it's hard on its sleeve in much <laughs> no, the same I know, way. I know. And I think you can apply that to this, and I think it's perfectly valid, and I think um, I think it stuck the landing in a way that, that Scott's not... I think Scott Snyder's a terrific writer, but I think, you know, depending on which bat arc you're talking about, and obviously this is personal opinion, I don't think he always stuck the landings on those. Um and I thought that this totally did, but in a way that in a way that you have to kind of be a an earnest goofball to appreciate, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think there's any truth to that? Well, I think that the end of the issue helped in a lot of ways because it it somewhat smooths over. Like, okay, so to me, the the low light of the issue, and maybe it was because I was just so dang scared was the Batman and Joker teaming up to fight the Batman who laughs. Uh-huh. Just, that's just... The, the, that's the least interesting stuff to me, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, a surefire way to make me forget that 
is to put John Jones in a tuxedo a few pages later. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> and Swamp Thing. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so I, I really enjoyed sort of the, the end of the issue. It brought back, to me, some of the, like, familial elements of the Justice League. You know, there's been a lot of... There are so many like little teases in here to future things, and if there's one thing the three of us love, it's it's like uh, double page spreads that have hints of things to come, right? So, yep. so mm-hmm. like you know all this stuff, and to me that helps stick the landing because this event felt so big. I felt like the only way to end it is to double down on how big it is, if that makes sense. So I, you know, I love seeing the Dark Stars stuff. I love seeing. The Metal Men and Red Tornado. I love seeing all this stuff together because I I love a big tent DC when there's a lot going on. And to me, this reinforced all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that shit. I love, I also love like everybody partying at the end and then of course the Trinity getting down to business and like going into a shady back room. Like yeah. the three, the three of them, first of all, talking as friend, like this was one of the few times rebirth has been better about this, but Trinity this one... number one. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know where you really, it was a short little scene, but you really felt like these are the three heavy hitters and they will always be together guiding this whole justice league teen titans thing that they've got going you know yeah the fact that snyder highlights that and doesn't run away from it like we have in the past is really exciting to me because that's those three should feel a tier above everybody else just based on history importance iconography all that stuff you know like they may not be my three favorite characters at DC, but they are like the pillars, right? Yeah. Um, and I, it just feels right. And to have them like cut out early and go into a back room and look at Bruce's plans for the Hall of Justice is – it makes me giddy, you know, just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Did you um, notice that uh, John and Damien are playing guitar at the party? Yes. Yep. And Alfred's on drums. I didn't notice that. Oh, That's hell yeah. fantastic. Go, go look at that. It's hilarious. I see it now. And did you notice that um, that Mr. Terrific's tuxedo says fair play on the back? I, yes. I did notice that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got really excited for a second until I realized it was Ollie with his facial hair. But do you remember in um, in Starman, the, um, oh, what's the name of the family with all the siblings? Um Fuck. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. It's like the, the cops, they're all... They're the Odairs. Also, the Odairs, yeah. There was the Man, one, how did I know that and not I know, you, I, Mr. I, I, Starman I PhD? I couldn't pull it. But the one Odair has the mustache and he was like... He was the the um, like the um sheriff in the past. Remember, there was a whole like, past life thing? Anyway, this looks like him for a second. I'm like, oh shit, they're bringing in one of the Odairs. No, it's just Ollie. But we're never going to see that Starman stuff ever again, so... I just have to get past that. But although remember, remember how the early issues of Metal kind of referenced Starman a couple times. Yeah, but it referenced then, like the seventies Starman. Well, yeah, but you know that stuff. It's all part of it. Yeah, 
Right. It's all right, part right. of the soup. <laughs> the soup. The Joel McHale show? Yes, exactly. So meaty. <laughs> there he is again. We're, now we already used that as a, or, or was that beefy? <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was a, um, a singer, singer where Zach said like too beefy or something. Yeah, like yeah. it was too beefy. Yeah. <laughs> My, That's very good. My my file of stingers is like twenty deep that we haven't used yet. So <laughs> nice. Okay. Um. But yeah, o- overall that this was good. This was a, a fun way to end the um, end the arc, end the book rather. And uh, I'm very excited to see where it all where it all goes from here. Mm-hmm. Any um, other metal comments? I'm I'm kind of gonna miss Kendra's like. Uh, like whatever that that costume she has in this oh, is, is where she called herself. Called. She called herself Lady Blackhawk. Yeah, I I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it's it's super it's super nineties image, but I I kind of like it a little bit. It 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 would be interesting to see her keep that for a while, keep that identity. I don't know. Yeah, that's just me. It's pretty metal. It is pretty metal. It is a ten out of ten costume, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, one interesting bit of of news that came out of the uh, Snyder had like a spotlight panel at WonderCon, and he mentioned that you know he and Capullo have started to work on the Batman Last Night thing, and mm-hmm. how Capullo only has six issues left on his DC contract. Yeah, and how that's going to likely take up all of them. Mm. Are they? They're going to back up the truck again for him, right? They're going to try. Well, you know what? He he might. He might be very wise to go do another Malar World book for a while. Yeah, and then come back. And then come Mm. back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta say though, like, I after reading this, there's no one better. I think at this point right now at DC than Snyder to be helming the main Justice League book. Agreed. Um, because he really proved his like cosmic chops with this series. Oh yeah. Isn't I, I was thinking about this on Saturday. Isn't it really weird that Johns didn't even appear at the WonderCon panel? Oh boy, are we gonna get into this? <laughs> Or we're going to have to. I mean, it makes sense with the next book that we're talking about. Yeah, especially, yeah. Did you guys hear today that Diane Nelson is taking a leave of absence from DC? I did yeah. see that, yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Interesting. But let's talk about Jeff, Jeffy Johns and Doomsday Clock number four. Obviously written by, by Jeffy and illustrated by uh, Gary Frank. So... This issue is pretty much the new Rorschach origin issue. We find out that he is the son of the psychiatrist from from Watchmen. Which I yeah. think we had all guessed before at some point, right? That was well that That yeah. was a theory. Well we can't we can't lay claim to like being right because it was one of like six different guesses or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had made. But uh we so we all knew that this issue was coming, right? It was just a matter of time. Like, oh, they're gonna do a entire 
Like I, f- I felt like as soon as I opened this up, I was like, yep, oh, here it is. Okay. All right, we're going to waste an issue on this. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, this... go ahead. I'm No, no, I, I no, I, I agree. Um I will say this about this issue, okay? I didn't like it. I want to make that very clear. Uh but I feel like John's had, you know, 30 something pages to give the character a reasonably complete origin story. And I feel like he did that. I feel like there is very little else to, to do with this character except move forward. And so that's a good thing. Because my biggest fear with this was that we were going to get like eight issues of backstory and four issues of actual new story. So I'm happy that this is seemingly the end of the new Rorschach origin stuff. Oh, we'll see. Seemingly. Zach, I mean, what do you think? there's one thing I liked about this issue. You know what it is. Um, Mothman. No. You liked seeing Mothman's butt. Yes, that was it. No, <laughs> that wasn't it. Uh, Batman dressing up as a doctor named Matthew Mason, much like Matches Malone. That's that is good, but no, there's there's literally only one thing in here that is like Zach Nip. I can't. I didn't even. I I'm so mad at this that I just can't. Oh, I I know, I know. Well, lay it on us already. It it's all the useless back matter. Gosh, you guys hate me. You don't know anything about me. I just can't. This this issue is just. As soon as you say it, I'm sure I'll. Saturn girl. Oh, the the, oh. the Jane Doe stuff? Oh, that's who Jane Doe was? Yeah. Okay, see, I was so tuned out at that point that I I was like, well, that's a mystery for another day. <laughs> so that's well, she, Saturn she Girl. Said she's, yeah, she's been in his mind this whole time. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess. That's such Legion. a genuine... That's yeah, yep, I got, I well, got see, it. Well, see, oh, that is a good point. The, the point that you're bringing up is, like, if you haven't been following... DC Rebirth, mm-hmm. and if you don't have, like, if you haven't been reading Tom King's Batman, basically, <laughs> and if you don't know anything about the Legion at all, then that moment is totally lost on you. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not paying attention to this book by the 30th page because you can't stand it, then... That also. That also. also. Now... I, I did not go back and research this because I couldn't be arsed to, but is the fourth issue of Watchmen the Dr. Manhattan origin story? Because this had so much bright blue imagery of the, like, um, the insect buzzer thing, the, um... Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I feel like it, it was, uh... It, it is. It is. Okay, that's what I thought. That's interesting. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't hate this issue. The, the thing that kept me from liking it is all the Rorschach speak. Mm-hmm. I just, I just can't do Rorschach speak anymore. Um, Herm. Herm. Here's what Rorschach I didn't like. Speak. Can't read. <laughs> They're bad. Too much. 
Not good. <laughs> All right, here's what I didn't like about it. I'm at the point with Doomsday Clock where, okay, this is going to be 12 issues. Guys, we've got like 16 more months to go yep. or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at the point where I'm just like, I, I never want to talk again until maybe the very end about what a bad idea I think it is anymore because we've already covered that. I've I've talked about that to death and I you know to bring it up every time is just going to be redundant. And so I, I'm I'm at the point where when we get an issue of this, I'm I'm trying to read it. Like I tried to read this issue divorce myself from the fact that I just think the project is a bad thing and just try to enjoy it. And I really tried with this and, and you know, just the predictability of getting a new Rorschach, like the origin of Rorschach 2.0. Okay, fine. I guess we got to do it. It, it wasn't that bad. Like, I thought the stuff, the connection to Mothman, Johns was doing a similar thing to what Alan Moore was doing at times in Watchmen with this, except much more ham-fistedly, I think. Um, I think Johns is still missing a layer or two there of depth because, like, with the back matter, I just look at the back matter and I think, like, this back matter is so much more useless than the like with this it's it's all like superficial trappings, you know? Yeah, especially Whereas, this month. Yeah, or like just with the like the very first issue just had the menu from that restaurant in it, you know? It feels like John's is having feeling like he has to recreate back matter, but he's not putting what Alan Moore was doing was putting subtext in that stuff. And there's very little, if any subtext to some of this back matter, you know? Um, I, I didn't read these letters this week. No, I, I started and I was like, no, there's nothing in here that it's not going to inform anything that I've already read in this issue. Um, what really, so the origin didn't bother me so much other than just the predictability of all of it. But what really bothers me is reading the part that's a continuation of Watchmen where he finds, he gets the ticket and he goes to find uh, Vite. And uh, Vite is like remorseful (laughs) or like crying over the choice he's made. And it's not that I don't think that that's a valid reaction for somebody who did what he did it's just that i never wanted to see it you know like that's not i don't want to see adrian veidt crying in new rorschach's arms because he killed half of a city you know doesn't that i mean that that bothers me to my core (laughs) and i can't so i can't divorce myself from i'm trying but I can't divorce myself from the idea that that's just a colossally bad choice to show him do that kind of remorseful turnaround, you know? I mean, of course it's a terrible choice. It's Doomsday Clock. You know, it's 
Well, it's, that's it, what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm trying, and I can't yeah. do it because because of stuff like that, you know. And when I when I was told at the start of this that, and here I go rehashing what I've already said in other podcasts, but like, weren't we supposed to get this like philosophical d- discussion b- about the difference between Superman and and uh, Doctor Manhattan or the or the Watchmen characters, like like fundamentally how the DC universe differs from Watchmen. That's, and that's not, we're four issues in and yeah, we're a third is, of the way through the book. We're a third of the way through the book. And this is all surface level. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you knew more about what happens with Watchmen? <laughs> there, you know, there were also yeah. some, some, like some weird things that happened this week that I think were supposed to be not think that are supposed to be foreshadowing of some sort. Like for instance, on the the last page of the actual issue, they're they're running out of Arkham, and for no reason, the picture of John and his uh, what's what was his first girlfriend's name, the one that died of cancer, Janie. Uh, Janie, is that the, their picture falls from the ceiling of the pa- of like the cell that they're running out of, mm-hmm. and you know, which is the photo from the cover of Watchmen number four, I think, right? Yes, I believe so. And so, like, you know, there's just so much homage in these pages. It's hard to tell what's supposed to be in-story homage versus what's supposed to be just, like, a nod to the reader. Like, Mm -hmm. is this supposed to signify that this means Dr. Manhattan is there? Right. Or is this just, you know... Or because it's Dr. Manhattan's creation... Right. Or That he's manipulating. Right. Or is it just that Gary Frank wanted to pay homage to this issue, to that issue Mm -hmm. of Watchmen? You know, you yeah. really don't know because it's just so chock full of these illusions that don't really mean anything that it's hard to tell when it's supposed to mean something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, another thing like that that I noticed that probably means nothing but seemed like a, a weird thing to do twice in the issue was we there's two panels where Reggie walks past Mr. Freeze's cell. Yes. Yes. And it's it's like, okay, is Mr. Freeze going to be an important character in this? Or is this just some kind of weird symmetry thing? Is it just the fact that he's blue like Dr. Manhattan? You know, what's what's the significance here? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess you can if you squint hard enough, you can see how the fourth issue of Watchmen is how a man became a god. And the fourth issue of Doomsday Clock is kind of how a boy becomes a fucked up man. Like, I, you know, like I, I, I guess that there can be some sort of like argument that like these are the metamorphosis issues, right? Mm-hmm. But there's just not there's no story there to, for me to care about. Like the the fact that Doctor Manhattan you had only read like you know sixty pages of story about him before his origin issue, and you cared enough. It's just I don't I just don't give a shit about these characters. I don't. Johns has not done a good job at all making me care about these characters that I already had an emotional attachment to. It should be easier to pick up these stories and make me care than to start something new. Well, yeah, and I just I think I think the Vite stuff is such a betrayal of why why I think Vite is a compelling character. You know. Right. I think he's less compelling if he's sitting there. The 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 
the twisted thing about Veidt was that he was the one who made this choice and he was proud when it worked, you know, yeah. he was insanely proud. There's that, there's that panel of him throwing his arms up and saying, I did it, you know? And even if you, whether you agree or disagree that he's the hero of Watchmen, um, or you think what he did was absolutely inexcusable and horrible, that's a discussion for another time. But to have him turn around and go, what have I done? That, that totally betrays whether this is a world of John's creation or not. John Osterman, I mean, you know, whether, whether this is due to some manipulation behind that, that we're, that we're not totally privy to, you know, it doesn't matter what the, what the reason is. It's the fact that you're showing us this possible future that kind of betrays why that character is interesting in the first place to me, you know? Yeah. I don't want fan fiction about Watchmen at this point, you know? Uh, Gary, Gary Frank posted a very pretty uh, image on Twitter this week of uh, Rorschach decking the Joker, you know? And people were, of course, flipping for it. And it was a very pretty image, but it's part of a project. Like, that's going to actually happen, you know? And I don't understand anybody that wants to see that. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, and then and then it's part of this like uni- it's part of this DC universe. It's almost like um, by having the the Saturn Girl thing in here, like yeah, I want the Legion and I want to get to that point, but it feels extremely weird to fold Watchmen into the next quote unquote DC event that tells you where all the new pieces of the DCU are going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's weird that this is essentially like a brightest day. Only instead of uh, bi-weekly or whatever, it's by bi- it's every two months. Bi-yearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But but it's it's like setting these chess pieces as if it were brightest day or something, you know. Well, also trying to be a sequel to Watchmen, it's it's so bizarre to me. It doesn't stand on its own, and I I will say this. I will say that for a book that is trying to be as multi-layered and important as this book is reading it at this bizarrely slow release schedule is very tough it's really tough and it really any excitement i did have which was minimal at this point is really dampened by the fact that if all the behind the scenes stuff is true it sure feels like its delay is fucking up things that would have been going on in the DCU, you know? Yeah. Now, I I don't know that I believe the 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 bleeding cool rumor about uh you know, Hickman not getting a DC book because of Doomsday Clock. That's bullshit. Yeah, I I don't know that I believe that. But I do believe because it's just the way that corporate comics work that there are plans at DC that have to get put off because of this, you know? Yeah, I mean, just just think about, like, one of the big things mentioned is Metamorpho in this book, right? That's, like, part of the, the Superman... What do they call it? Like, the... The Superman theory. Yeah, Superman theory, yeah. That, like, you know, um, 
the metamorpho is going to play a big role in this. Well, you have to get metamorpho from where he is in the terrifics to where he is in this book, and maybe that was supposed to be eight issues, but now it has to be eighteen issues, because literally the the event's taking a year longer than it was supposed to. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> well, I only really back think... here on May twenty third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really and truly think that this new, this new justice thing was not planned. Oh yeah, that, that this is the bridge to get us. Like this is a good year long Justice League event to get us to catch up with Doomsday Clock. Yep. And if that's the case, that's fine cuz no justice looks fantastic. Yeah. Like I'm not going to complain about it. Um and the other thing is that if if I mean Doomsday Clock is a banger on the sales charts, right? Yeah. So if I, mean, it takes... I guess so. I haven't even actually followed it. <laughs> you're you're it usually is. the guy too. Right. Isn't it it's consistently like a top 5 book when it comes oh, out. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So so the thing is is that if if it takes given the state of the industry right now, if it takes people apparently enjoying Doomsday Clock and Batman White Knight and whatever the next uh, Frank Miller thing is. If it takes these books that like readers like me just are never going to like, I guess to be able to get like a new Superman or a Hope Larson Batgirl, then fine. You know, and people are enjoying this. That's great. I just don't get it. And I'm trying. I'm really trying. Do you believe me that I'm trying? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I think before number five comes out, I might reread all of it so far. Mm. Just to see if that helps at all. Are you going to like have nipple clamps on while you do it? I mean, is it a Tuesday? <laughs> uh, don't, don't let your uh, boss hear that. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, Brian in trouble. Oh. <laughs> You're the bad boy of the DC <laughs> three now. It's not Zach anymore. It's not the pothead anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff we talk about before the show goes on the air. Um <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some other books. What we're going to do is just kind of quick hits here for the rest of these books. Maybe we'll pause and talk about a little bit more. But uh, Batgirl 21 by Scott by Scott Godlewski and uh, Hope Larson. And uh, this was a... <laughs> Sorry, Vince just sent us a great image in uh, our chat window here. Um, this Batgirl was a great father-daughter comic. I loved it. I loved it so much. What'd you guys think? Yeah, it was fantastic. Godlewski is getting better and better. Is. This is a really good, it's a really pretty issue. It is. It's it's almost like, like remember when we saw the first Godlewski Superman issue and it was it was really pretty, and but like Superman, I, I think by design was like a little bit lumpy. He was like he had like the like a big head <laughs> and like a big neck. And now here, Godlewski is almost like tailoring his style to 
the style that we've come to expect from like Chris Wildgoose. Mm-hmm. You know, like he very much looks like Godlewski, but it's it's also very, you know, it it it's meeting this book halfway, and it really did well. I think at, at sort of maintaining consistency in that way. And uh, yeah, what a just a heartwarming thing between uh, G- Commissioner Gordon and uh, somebody who I can't believe he doesn't realize is his daughter. <laughs> I wonder if he knows it or not. Well, we always yeah, that's always a Zach. What do you think about? This? Especially because he he pulls a Trump and says you remind me of my daughter. In oh, well, that, that's because he wants to. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this issue is very good, you know, morning, morning, the departure of Chris Wildgoose, but this was very good. This this book is just, this book is just consistently always, I mean, it's never, it's rarely, um, you know, like groundbreaking or anything. Although I did just adore that, um, the Nightwing arc. Yes, agreed. Um, probably like one of my top five favorite arcs in the, in rebirth, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just always consistently fun and good. And I love that, you know, Larson is doing these kind of short little two to three issue arcs. Um, you know, I've long said that with the, with the biweekly format, I really like um, the shorter arcs. Um. Yeah, this was really good. Yeah. All right. Did anyone open Batman Beyond? I opened it. I did not. I didn't. Zach, take it away. I have literally have nothing to say about it. I looked at the pictures. The art is good. Is all it right. still this? It's still the same arc, right? It's this. I think so. Isn't it all the same arc? <laughs> <laughs> Eight an eighteen issue. It's the long payback part five. <laughs> it's it's Batman Beyond Eternal. Yeah. Also, there's a sec- There's a panel that it, the the panel is a screen is like a an image from a a TV, um, and and it's a news channel called News Fifty Two. But I looked at it and thought it just said New Fifty Two, <laughs> and I thought somehow. The, the actual new 52 was being acknowledged in, in <laughs> the comic, which would be the most Jurgens thing to do. What, um, the 52. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I scrolling, mean, you think I'm scrolling it, through and there's no nut faces. So uh, I, <laughs> you think this book is the arguably the book with the closest ties to the new 52 remaining. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it's basically, uh, the sequel to Future's End, in some ways, it really is. <laughs> Other than I guess like Wonder Woman right now, um... yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's talk about Detective Comics number nine seven seven, written by James Tynion the Fourth. Oh, I just Oh, what? <laughs> oh, my don. Oh, okay. Uh, illustrated by um, Javi Fernandez, Eddie Barros, and Eber Ferreira. What do you guys think about the phallic imagery on this cover? 
Well, they were once men. <laughs> now killing machines. Batman hates it, too. He's going to punch those gun dicks right off. <laughs> I mean, Batman hates guns, so he obviously would hate gun dicks, too. It, just, it goes without saying, right? <laughs> going to quickly turn into a TV funhouse <laughs> scenario if we are not careful. Give me back my show. Right. <laughs> What's everybody looking at? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Quick, Gary, come on my back. Come on my back. <laughs> Sorry. All right, that's uh, problematic. Um yeah. I like I like the future Batman stuff. Future future Bruce versus future Kane. It feels it feels like consequential, which so many times these future issues don't feel real at all. And this feels totally like something within within the current framework of Batman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like too far of a leap to get to this point. No, no. This yeah. is this opening segment, I think kind of piggybacking on what I was saying, I think it was last week. This is a hundred percent what I wanted the Batwoman book to be. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. This this right here. Um mm. one stylistic thing I love about this issue is that the future stuff is it's all taking place at night. The the design of everything and the colors, the sort of the color palette is vi- not the art, but the color palette and the general design is very Batman the Animated Series. Like, I'm thinking of how in the opening credits of that show, there's the, like, dirigible that's flying over Gotham, and it's got, like, the spotlight, mm-hmm. you know? And when they, these planes are coming over, you know, the sky is this, like, deep red orange color it just it's so like it's just that like animated series gothic sort of feel um i i dug the whole atmosphere that's what really made it work for me that the atmosphere like it feels like the end of the world in gotham somehow yeah yeah. i also want to mention that bruce is wearing his uh doomsday clock costume yeah Um. Yeah, this issue was really good. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna say that I love. What's the villain's name in this? That the kid uh, with the Batman shirt. Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses. Yeah. yeah, I, I can't say that I love that character just yet, but I can put up with that because the rest of the book has been so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you hear us laugh on this show, it's because somebody dropped an image into our chat window. Can always count on barrows. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I, I don't love what what I mean essentially is like I don't like how Ulysses at the end of the book, like, is doing that classic villain thing of like I'm gonna. I'm doing this all for you. I'm 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 not evil. I'm I'm showing you how we can change things. It's just he feels a little one note 
in a in a series that hasn't felt that way at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think in previous, <laughs> I think in previous issues where he's appeared, I think he's been pretty good as like a side piece. I don't know if I like him as like the main antagonist or whatever. And also, doesn't it seem like uh, it seems like what he's doing is kind of the exact same thing that Future Tim did? You know? Yeah, absolutely. It feels like the same story over again, although. I am interested in both stories. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is good. Mm. Was I the only guy who read Hal Jordan this week? I yep. I perused this one. Okay. Uh, basically, the Guardians tell the Lanterns to leave Zod alone. He's a sovereign citizen and basically, basically can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Furthering my uh, furthering my theory that Robert Venditti essentially turns Zod into an alt right dad, like Facebook dad, because that's like they all think they're sovereign citizens too, and yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon also, Peters- Brandon oh, Peterson God. art. I was yes. going to say that was I. I opened it up just to see who the artist was. Because I knew it wouldn't be Van Skyver, and uh, I was really happy to see that it was Brandon Peterson, and I I like his style for sure. Yeah, this book looked really nice this week. It's a shame it's so shitty. <laughs> Zach, you were gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, he, he he brought the Guardians back, which I already said was a was bad, both from a like you know, backpedaling standpoint and also just the guardians are bad and here they are being bad again. Yeah. Not just, you know, a handful of issues later. And then Hal, (laughs) Hal is like floating this trial balloon at the end. Like, Hey, what if we, what if we killed people? (laughs) He basically says, wouldn't life be so much easier if you could just like gack a dude now and then? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's it's not a very howl thing to do. No, but like yeah. Uh I almost feel like that's I don't know, I almost feel like that's something that we have to worry about becoming a plot point, you know? Yeah. It's an odd Chekhov's gun to introduce at the end of a story if you're not gonna okay. pick it up later. Yeah. Well it was yeah. really introduced in the arc with Superman where with Hector Hammond. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully this is the payoff and it's not just a reminder that there's a payoff coming. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. well it, it, it isn't resolved at all. Like John isn't like, no, that would be bad. He's like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. Right, let's <sighs> talk about Justice League of America, number 27. Written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Hugo Petrus. We get some microverse stuff. We get some uh, some like weird time travel stuff. We get some Ray Palmer stuff. We get um, Aztec as part of the team. For an issue that felt as overstuffed as this one did at times, I have to say I enjoyed this more than the last few months of JLA. 
Zach? Um, I didn't read it very closely. Um, cause I was trying to get through the books. <laughs> A lot of stuff happens in this issue. And, and I, I don't, I, I don't feel like I, um, gave it enough of a, of a read through to kind of follow everything. Not that it was a particularly like deep issue or anything, but I, I don't know. There, it was just very, a, man, a very manic issue. Very hectic. So much happens in it. Yeah. That's kind of what I like about it. I, that, you know, I think, uh, Orlando's justice league of America is at its best when all the characters are doing things and their and their plots are all kind of moving forward and um i really felt that with this issue like it it was a, mostly an adam spotlight like mostly a, a ryan Choi spotlight but you got a little bit of aztec you got a little bit of uh vixen you know and 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 I like the I like Kronos as the the villain, so this is really cool. I thought I thought this was a good good opener to this arc. Yeah, how many issues of this we have left? Isn't this the, the final arc? I do think this is the final arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I say this wraps up next month. So, this is going to be an odd book to like go back and reread one day. I don't know how it's going to hold up. Yeah. Um, really quick, I'm trying to go back and refresh my memory on this, but I can't remember. You remember in the Planet of the Capes arc in Super Sons? Uh-huh. I know that the the faceless guy was one of the villains, you know, the one in the beginning of the issue. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, yes, um, the the faceless man was one of the clay villains, and then wasn't Kronos as well? Am I, I making that so. up? That sounds right to me. Yeah, it's just interesting that those they're both in this issue together again, even though they're the real versions. I guess I can't remember who the third <laughs> one was. Yeah, I don't. Rem- I vaguely remember what. Oh you're my talking gosh, about that's it. perfect. <laughs> oh. Right. Anything else to say about JLA? I'm gonna. I, I think the Justice League books that are coming are probably gonna be more up my alley, but there were times I really liked this. Yeah, <laughs> does that sound like a backhanded? No, I, I agree. I agree. I also think that it's this is one of the books that is sort of blessed and cursed by double shipping. Like when you think about how much happened in this, in the like this will wrap up with twenty nine or thirty issues. When you think about what happened in like the twenty nine twenty nine or thirty issues, it's it's an insane amount of stuff. But at the same hand, it's nothing at all. <laughs> like mm. each issue is so packed full of stuff. But I don't know if any arc has had a major impact. Yeah, that's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Anyway, let's get to uh, Mira, Queen of Atlantis, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Lan Medea, Medina, rather. Um, I'm impressed with it. Well, you know, somebody else start with this first. Vince, you start with this. Okay. All right. 
Um, this is interesting because I, I generally like the idea of the story. Like, like Mara needs her own comic. And I like this idea that she's going to be the leader of Atlantis. And I like the tension sort of between, uh, you know, her, her, her sort of split identity or heritage or whatever. And I, the ocean masters, uh, uh, butting up against that idea or, or distaste for that idea. It's, it's good conflict. And yet the final product I just think is a little too light and decompressed for what I want. I think there's a really solid story here and I'm just not, it seems, it seems light to me though <laughs> on the page. Is that, where, where were you going to go with this, Brian? Well, I was going to say, I'm impressed that they're calling this book Mira Queen of Atlantis and Aquaman hasn't taken it over yet. I feel like I feel like in in years past, if this was the same book published, she would have been a minor character in her own book. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm glad that they're giving her the spotlight here. What I'm not so glad about is that they're giving her the spotlight in a time in the story where she can be the least interesting she's ever been. <laughs> she can't be in the water really, and she's not interacting with Arthur. I think their relationship is really interesting. She's not interacting with like the um whatever the oracles of Atlantis are, and that's interesting. I just feel like they're like Abnett's putting her in a position where she can't do some of the things that makes her such a fascinating character, and instead we're just getting a lot of her talking to people. And that's not exactly where I want this story to go. Yeah, and you could almost argue that she's sort of being like co-opted by Ocean Master in this issue. Yes. Rather than, than Arthur. Um but overall, I do think I really like I I liked this issue more than the first issue. I think um, I liked the stuff with her and Ocean Master. Um, I didn't. I I, I I generally liked everything about this issue except for the way it ended, which I thought was really dopey and kind of nonsensical. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. I also think that Lam Medina is doing some nice stuff here. I think his work is... Uh... How can I put this? Like, there, there's this this page. It's the, the title page. It's page four in our PDF where Aquaman and Mira are kind of posed in this like super comic booky way. Um, but I feel like mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a bit of like classicism to what he does. Like a lot of these poses are very... Um, intentionally like iconic slash, uh, I feel, I just feel like everything he's doing has has a very is purposely conventional, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. All right, well, let's let's move on to Mother Panic, Gotham A.D. number one, written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Ibrahim Mustafa. Um, this is this is a really odd book. 
I uh, I liked this issue a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. But this is way of all the of all the young animal books we've seen so far. This is the most different from its from its first iteration. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I don't know. How so? I feel like just, I mean, obviously it's set in a totally different place than the first one. And I feel like one of my concerns with the first, you know, however many issues of Mother Panic we got was that there was this, um, there was this constant feeling of, Like I, I felt like each issue had to I had to re download a lot of the same information to remember where I was and to kind of care about what was happening and to kind of I don't this just felt smoother to me. Yeah. It's definitely refocused and kind of streamlined. Yeah. Um and on one hand I think it is kind of it's weird because it's it's like a soft reboot. Um, it's almost kind of like a new 52 version of Mother Panic. Sort of. Or like a future's end. I don't know. It's like some. It's, it's in the future, but some things are different. Some things are the same. Um, and we don't really know what. But I, I don't know if it's just the the kind of streamlining of the cast and the premise, or if it's if it's really just the art. Um, yeah, the art's really nice. But but yeah, I I liked this significantly more than the previous incarnation of this book. Yeah. I didn't even mind that the Dane Joker showed up. Well, yeah, I, I, that was what I was going to say. I I thought that this Joker, this is probably closer to how I would want the Joker written than he's been written in a while. Mm. Like, there's, there's a little comedy there. There's still, like, this twisted worldview, which is, you know, we make fun of it, but that, that is what the Joker is, you know, but... Uh, but I want my Joker to also come with some comedy. I want my Joker to make a balloon animal, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I found it a little... I found it a little... tough to get my bearings at the beginning. Tougher than you guys are saying. Um, but that's just me. And I'm a dumbass, so... Oh no. <laughs> uh, um Yeah, I yeah, I do I don't know, yeah, I really I liked the Joker in this and and I I just really I feel like I keep coming back to this so many times and it's a it's a dumb reason to like a book, but I just love Violet's costume design. Ten yeah. out of motherfucking ten. It's one of the best. And just like seeing her kind of like jumping around those that like one page where she's, you know, jumping over rooftops and kind of sliding and running. Like, I just it looks so good. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love her new sidekick. It's she's just 
horrible and tragic and funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I forget what animal she's supposed to be. Oh, yeah, I don't remember either. Shit. It was in that. It was in the Mother Panic Batman issue, right? Is it that was. She got yeah, that was, costume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to turn back to that. But um. Yeah, I I really like this issue, and and in fact, I'm I this might be my favorite of the three rebooted series, Ooh. like first issues. Wow. I think it really might be. I might need. I I don't know. I really did like Shade the Changing Girl, and maybe it's just the the, um, you know, this is definitely. I think this gets the um, biggest improvement award. Um, yeah, and maybe and maybe some of that is factoring into it as well. But I I genuinely really enjoyed this issue. Well, yeah, a young animal can can really do no wrong. We'll see about that. <laughs> uh, that brings us to Mystic U, book three. Written by Alyssa Quitney, illustrated by Mike Norton. Um, this is going to sound like a weird, a weird comment to start with. I, for, I always forget how long these issues are. <laughs> Just because we're reading all these like 20-page comics, and then here comes one that's 48 pages long. And it feels... Uh, mm-hmm. It just it feels more substantial because of that for obvious reasons. Yeah, Zach, it seemed like you I, had a take on oh, this. Yeah, yeah. Go. What's your hot take, Zach? I'll, I'm going to fight you. I just didn't love this. Like, <sighs> I just didn't. So I, you know, unequivocally loved the first two issues. They were great. They were fun. This issue felt like it had to sacrifice some of the fun and some of the things I like just for the purposes of finishing the story. Um, Like, I think the whole malevolence thing has always been my least interested, like the least interesting thing about the series. Um, Like finding out who the malevolence is and and all of that. And, and so much of this issue was resolved, was devoted to, you know, revealing that, resolving it. Um, And, and I felt like the, the, the issue hurt a little bit because of that. It felt a little rushed in parts to me. Um, didn't feel quite as fleshed out. I don't know. That's just my take. I actually don't disagree with any of that, Zach. Um, I think that the first two issues felt like the start of an ongoing. And this issue is when it realized it had to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sure. Yep. I still loved it, though. I, I love all these characters. Every every single one. There's not a bad character to me. Um, I'm interested in everything that they're doing. And I want to see more of them. It's a shame that this is probably going to be it. I don't I know. In a second volume? I think they could, yeah. Especially with how it leaves off. I think they could, but I don't know that they will. I don't. I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't. Um, I haven't looked into this at all. I have no idea how this book is selling. Yeah, I don't either. But I love Plop. Plop's got to. Plop's got to come back somewhere. 
Agreed. You know, Klopp's got to come back. Um, I like Sargon. Um, They're all really good. This is the best Enchantress has ever been. Yeah. Uh, We think we get the Suicide Squad in a few issues, guys. (laughs) I'm joking. She sucks. Um, Yeah. Uh, I just want to shout out to Mike Norton for doing such great work on this book, too. Oh, yeah. For for essentially the content of six issues in a row, it was all Mike Norton. More than that, really. More than six issues. Mm, yeah. yeah. You're talking about normal page count. Yeah. Just, and... Oh, man. Yeah, this, this felt like... Like, we've said this before, but this really felt like DC's X-Men and, like, only, like, smaller and more penetrable than than X-Men has been in a while. Um, I also wonder with this book if it would have been better received slash sold better slash whatever if it came out as an OGN. Yeah, I don't know. We wouldn't be talking about it... Um, you know, three months in a row then. Right. Or whatever. So, yeah, it's hard to say. All right. Did anybody open Raven, Daughter of Darkness? I paged I paged through it, yes. I didn't, no. I did not. Give us something, Vince. Um, well, it's not good, and there's nine more of them, so. All right. Moving on. Um, I'm, I presume I'm the only person who opened up Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even look at this. All right, the wall goes a wall. I'm shocked. Mm. Um, you think they're gonna split up the team because each member is taken off by themselves, and uh, this is where Katana at the it says basically like you know, um, I listen to my blade. It gives me it gives me uh, guides me towards vengeance, and then she says, and the voices in. Side, tell me this place is dead, and it seems like she's leaving Bell Rev, but we'll see. But then, when AWOL goes, when the wall goes AWOL, they have to uh, bring the bring the gang back together. And that's it. It sucks. I'm shocked. Yeah. About all of that. Uh, Teen Titans 18, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Scott Eaton. Zach, let's start with you. What do you think of this issue? Um, not terribly much because I only skimmed it. Oh, Vince, the mercenary. You, yeah, Vince, what did you think of this issue? Um, I don't care for this particular story very much. Um, but I'm still I'm still glad this book exists. You know, like I'm st- I'm I'm glad that we're getting a Teen Titans in this form for at least a little bit longer. Um. But this particular story was just kind of weird. Beast Boy, like, leaving the team for this weird Wonderland crew. Also, towards the end, like, they're trying to they're trying to win Beast Boy back, you know? And I don't know. Damien calls that other girl a freak, which is probably something Damien would say. But at the same time, it's really... That's a pretty insensitive thing to say. Also, I mean, I mean to she's be fair, like, Damien is like the most insensitive character in the DC universe, and she seems to be a monster. 
So I know it's weird though. Like freak, like freak just seems like, like if you go by Damien's insensitivity, you know, beast boy's a freak then it just, that just seemed like a little harsh for, (laughs) I don't know. Mm. I think, I think freak is a, um, more, here I go being all social justice warrior, you know, but like, that's kind of a, I don't know. That's, that's a harsher word than I think people realize. Um, I don't know. Am I being, am I being, I don't think you are. I think that's, I think that's, I know know what you're saying. Very compassionate and thoughtful of you. Yeah. I know what you're (laughs) saying, but I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that we, you know, we've seen Damien grow, and then we see him say stuff like that. I'm probably, I'm probably overthinking it. I'm probably. If he had said freakazoid, then it would be okay. <laughs> well, you know, he runs around in his underpants. She's such a freakazoid. When are we going to get the freakazoid? And that's, you know, Brian, you said that Watchmen was DC's last recourse as far as a big crossover event. They've still got freakazoid in their back pocket. Sure. <laughs> okay. Did you ever watch Freakazoid? Of course. I, I just sang the theme song. Oh, you're cutting out for me, so that's probably why I... Okay. <laughs> that probably is... because he had to send that. <laughs> yeah, right. <It's... laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Um, this issue... Um... I don't want to say I I liked it or disliked it. It was fine. Like Vince said, I'm glad this book exists. I I liked some elements of this. I liked the sort of budding relationship between uh, Raven and Wally. Um, But overall, this is kind of a weird arc. It is. And, you know, I'm kind of checked out on it because we only have one more issue left of this arc. And that is the downside to relaunching books. Like that's what, that's what Marvel does too. And you know, have you ever been behind on a Marvel book and all of a sudden they're going to relaunch it and you're like, well, I guess I'm not ever reading the rest of this. Wait for the next one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then like, it it is really kind of sad to me because Percy's Titans, Teen Titans has been, was generally like pretty good, pretty enjoyable. Um, and for it to kind of go out like this, it it really, I mean, if you think about it, it really kind of sort of ended uh, at issue 14 because, you know, the last issue 15 was a Super Sons crossover by Tomasi. 16 was that Wolfman issue. Um, it got tied up in metal for a minute. This this run has been good, but it, it's been co-opted a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really feel like Percy got to tell a um, particularly whole or complete story. Yeah, I think that's true. Don't don't you guys kind of wish? I wish that, especially with like Teen Titans or, or or like a Young Justice book or something, that they would maybe have one book where it can get involved in stuff like that. But I kind of wish there was also a book where they were kind of doing their own thing. Yeah, I think that the Teen Titans, more than anybody else, lends themselves to just hanging out with the characters a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Yep. All right. Did anybody open the demon? Hell is Earth. No, I, I think uh, I, I, I opened it. You opened it. Lay it on us then. I think I'm done with this one. Looks like it's more of the same. Lots of big bad demons. Scary, scary big dogs. Hell on Earth. <laughs> that was a haiku, Zach. <laughs> oh, we need to go back and check the syllable counts on that. Exactly. It was pretty close, I think. Yeah. All right, The Flash, number 43, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Carmony, DJ Domenico. Um, the next... Uh, we, we got a lot of good Wally stuff here. We got some good Barry stuff. We see maybe some redemption for Mina here. Yeah, um, that was interesting. And uh, And we see Barry essentially save the day until he didn't again. <laughs> Zach, what do you think? Did we lose Zach? Oh, boy. No, sorry, I'm here. I muted my <laughs> mic because there was an ambulance going by and it was being extremely loud and then I was afraid you were going <laughs> to ask me first. Uh, uh, but I'm good now. We can just edit this section out. <laughs> nope, we're keeping it in. No, he won't. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Do it live. Do it live. Yeah, it. so I have the like unfortunate positioning of living like right between two hospitals, and so there are constantly just like emergency, emergency vehicles going by. But anyway, um, I do want to say that I think on the last issue of Flash that I said that I think Mino was going to have some kind of like redemption and would be back again. Mm. I think I said that. I'm not positive though. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of like this arc because I really do kind of like the get the gang together Flash arcs with all the speedsters. I really, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I love the new speedsters that we have, you know, I like that Godspeed is back and yeah, he's this anti-hero who definitely killed some guys, but his costume's cool. And, um, and then we've got Avery. She's good. Um, all of these, all of these new characters are very visually and, um, thematically interesting. It's, uh, I, I like it. I, I like all of these. I wanted all of these grod controlled characters to just just beat the snot out of Barry because he's <laughs> <laughs> well said. I don't have much more to say than that. Other other than I feel like this this arc was really strong, really strong grod arc, and I feel like there's work being done to lay the groundwork for Flash War, even if we don't realize it. Yes, just sort of tonally. Um, and I really dig that. So this has been a fun arc. I will say I'm a big fan of DJ Domenico's artwork, but I also like how he can do things that surprise you. Like there's one panel where it's, um, it's when, when, uh, when Barry is trying to get Wally to remember and to like break out of his spell. And so you see like, you know, he draws, uh, Wally in the old kid Flash costume, and he shows like Barry meeting Wally when Wally's a little kid, and it's so unlike the rest of his style 
but it it totally works. I I think that he kind of he has the ability to do such different things within the context of the book, and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying that. And I know that he is wrapping up his work on this book very soon, supposedly for another DC project. So we'll see what that is. But mm-hmm. I will miss him on the Flash. I know what it is I like about this. What's that? The Flash is our they're they're basically Power Rangers at this point. Yes. Hell yeah. Like you've got you've got the the red flash, the yellow flash, the purple <laughs> flash, the white flash, the black flash. Only you have two red flashes, because sometimes they do that. <laughs> yeah. Flash flash power rangers. That's what I want. I love it. Alright. Did anybody Heroes besides... and a half shell turtle power? <laughs> uh Leaning out of those machines. Um, did anybody open the Hellblazer besides me? No. Mm-mm. Let's see. Um, I completely forgot what the first part of this arc was. So it spent, I spent half the issue trying to remember that. Um, the most interesting thing is that um, Huntress shows up in this arc. And that's not... Uh, yeah, we, yeah, yep, yep. That's All right. right. Uh, who has... Who has a take on the silencer? Oh, boy. Uh, I, <laughs> I've i decided it's not... It's definitely not a very good comic. But I've also decided that it's definitely not a very bad comic. Oh, I don't know. And I've definitely decided that this is the last time we'll ever see John Arita Jr. draw it. Well, yeah. Yeah, We know that. But he's never coming back, is what I'm saying. No, never. He's He's got a project with Frank Miller that's going to take over a year. A hundred years. <laughs> and he's doing he's doing Kick-Ass again, too, right? Yes, he, he is. is some, yeah. I've also decided that I can't stand... I, I'm a silly guy. Okay, I like silly shit. I hate it when... Uh, artists draw robots or like machine characters or androids with facial hair, like metal <laughs> facial hair. This dude has a, a a tickler on his chin there that <laughs> sure wouldn't tickle. That's for sure. He just wants to feel real, man. <laughs> no, I'm I'm being. Totally, you know, totally honest when I say I, I thought this issue was kind of fun. Oh, I thought the art, the art was very sloppy and confusing to me. Like, yeah, it's John Romita Jr. Well, I know, but like, I couldn't follow the action at times. Oh, that's I, fair. I just, I don't know. It felt like. I'm looking at the page. Um, it's page eight in our PDF. I'm looking at the same one. Okay. And it's it's just pages like that that just it looks it's just so manic and fun and goofy. Like that it, middle page with the robots. I mean the middle panel with the three um, robot nut faces. Uh-huh, I was yeah. just gonna say, I was just gonna send you t- that to you guys. The three of them. Oh. Yeah. I already sent one. I know, but I was going to circle all three of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good page. But then, like, the following pages, like, 
Okay, she rolls. She's laying on the ground. I think that all looks actually pretty good. I don't know. I just don't. It's. Those are actually some. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. So far, to me, most of the New Age of Heroes stories have been just an example of Marvel style gone wrong. Mm. Uh, Of just, you know, obviously they're trying to give the artist more control, which I am 100% on board with. But that doesn't mean that the scripting should suffer. And to me, this just seems like it's the most simplified version of this story. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Look at pages 15 and 16 in our PDF. It's like that where she's driving the tank. The tank, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think those are, like, that's trying to go for that, like, widescreen you know, maybe Brian Hitch or name name any of them that you want. You know, any of these similar artists, but it's it's just not doing the same. And I don't well, even like. It's like I don't very even like simple. It is. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, I mean, like they, the backgrounds are very non-existent, really. Right. Yeah. There's no sense of place. There's a big. There's a couple big explosions, but you don't get any sense. And, and it's also so like heavily heavily digitized. I guess it it kind of looks like a it kind of almost looks like a weird like Windows ninety eight screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And you kind of like this book? I do. I do. I conceptually, I kind of do. Yeah. Um. Like in, in terms of just like a fun ish spy book that ties in like Leviathan things and and I think I mean I think Silencer's powers are kind of cool. Um, you know I don't necessarily think she has to explain what she's doing every time she does something, but I guess maybe you kind of do. Again, like that's a weird that's a weird um, you know fault for such an artist driven book. That that you would still need this kind of expository, explanatory dialogue to explain what she's doing with her her silencer abilities. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hate this. I thought it was fine. All right. Well, let's talk about the terrifics then. Uh, second issue, written by Jeff Lemire, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Um, and we get somebody else on art too, right? Yes. Yeah, towards the yeah. end. Uh, Jose nice. Luis. Yeah. yeah, doing a great Ivan Reyes impression. Yes. <laughs> I think it was just finishes probably. Because if you look, it doesn't say... Hold on. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it says uh, pages pencils pages 15 through 20. Hold on, hold on. Is the title page at the end in this one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I read that wrong. I <laughs> When I first read it, I thought it was Ivan Reyes and then Ivan Reyes and Jose Luis, pages 15 through 20. I, yep, you're right. Nope, you guys are right. But, it, but it's... It looks uncanny. Yeah, um, it's yeah. indistinguishable, I think. Yeah. Um... Uh, Part of Metamorpho is also indistinguishable from Ben Grimm in this. 
his leg his leg on that final page oh you're right and he's got the shorts with the belt and i almost wonder if that pose with the four of them together is isn't taken from like a famous uh fantastic four pose that i'm not thinking of you know yeah I'll say that this issue was a little bit less playful than the last one, especially with the way Reyes drew Plastic Man. Mm-hmm. He still does a much better Plastic Man than I thought he would be doing, but I last issue, he really blew me away with it. And this issue, he was he was alright, but he wasn't quite as expressive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this, this issue was also, I, I think, a little bit more decompressed. Maybe... I mean, a lot still happens, but it it didn't feel like it felt like a a, a light issue. Yeah, I agreed. Think. Especially because like last issue ended with the Tom Strong um, cliffhanger, and that didn't go anywhere. This issue, mm-hmm. like, they reference yeah. it again, but it does, they don't do anything with it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, now, isn't that supposed to kind of be the second arc though, where that really? Kicks into gear, or am I wrong about that? I, th- I thought it was the first arc. Oh, okay. uh, well, it, it, it's it, I, this is part two of three. It is interesting how all of these seem to be doing like really short initial arcs to get the big name artists off of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see next issue like the it seems like these three issue arcs are very much just setting up the basic premise of the book. And then from there, it'll expand. Yeah. I definitely liked this issue, but it felt, uh, it did feel decompressed and a little slight. Yeah. I thought uh, Phantom Girl stuff was pretty good, though. Yeah, agreed. That she was was stuck in the dark dark multiverse, essentially, for years and years and years, (laughs) and just... There was nothing. Like, she says there's nothing. I walked around and there's nothing. It's a really sad... It's a really sad, very Jeff Lemire thing. And I thought that really... That worked really well. Yeah, if you replace the Dark Multiverse with, like, uh, Edmonton... Yeah. This is is a very Jeff Lemire story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same amount of nothing there, too. (laughs) Just kidding. I know nothing about it. Hey, well, let's talk about Trinity number 20. Am I the only one who read this? Probably. Uh, no, I read it. And? It's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's not as bad as it's been. Yes, it is. It's every bit as bad. They're, they're, uh, the most ridiculous shit is when the Trinity is hiding in the bushes... And they're like, heads are popping out of the bushes. They look fucking absurd. At the end. Oh, I know. When they're, when, when they're like planning their end. They look ridiculous. This is silly. They're... I'm just going to look for nut faces. You guys talk now. Well, Zach didn't read it, did he? Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing much happens here, but I don't think it's as bad as some of the other issues of this have been. So it's a continuation of it's a continuation of the last arc, essentially, with Demos, because we were all wanting to see more Demos. Yep. 
Um, and it's, you know, they were looking for the missing Steve Trevor. And this showed, this shows you where Steve Trevor ended up, right? He gets put in some weird metallic containment suit or something. By the way, what's with... Maybe he's always done this, but it really doesn't suit the books that he's doing it on now. What's with James Robinson starting every comic with, like... Like here, prologue, the past. So, like, the past is prologue. In the previous arc, we had to start the comic in the future before going back and showing you how the Trinity got in this interview room, right? In Wonder Woman, he's like, he starts, the first page of this week's Wonder Woman is like, uh, like the, either the past or the future. It's unrelated to the very next page of the comic as far as chronology is concerned. Like, does what is he doing? <laughs> Can't he just tell a straightforward story or does every comic have to have like, fucked up Pulp Fiction chronology. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened to to my boy Jimmy. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, so then at the end, I guess, like, they've turned Steve Trevor into the Hulk? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yep, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> okay. Um... And last but maybe least, Wonder Woman number 43, written by James Robinson, illustrated by um, Marco Santucci. At least... What? uh, Santucci's art was nice. I was going to say, at least his book looked good. Yeah. Um, Um, I don't know if we needed like seven pages of Steve telling Jason that he doesn't trust him. Um, Jason's a, Jason's a pretty piece of shit character. I think we've already been over that, but uh, at least someone's noticing it now. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, I don't, I do not trust you. And then like three pages later, he's like, I need somebody here. I can trust. That's why you're going (laughs) to, that's why I want you here. You know, Mm. Or rather, my angel. Our angel. Yeah, you can have that, I guess. She's your sister. Okay. Our angel. Are we doing the thing where we read James Robinson dialogue? Zach, it, is fun, it, it is a fun thing. That's the only one I have. Um, I think. Um, so really disappointing. Um, I guess like circling back around to metal when we had all those cool um, you know, teases of things to come, which... You know, we mentioned the Dark Stars, which we know that's coming in Venditti's Green Lantern, whatever. Uh, but then there was the cool Dark Pantheon thing, which I feel like this issue pretty much confirms is going to be a, a Robinson thing because that's probably where Jason got his armor from. Yeah. And I believe future issues have been solicited that I don't think the word the words Dark Pantheon ever comes up, but it's highly suggestive of something that sounds like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No end in sight. Nope. Nope. Probably issue 50. Probably <laughs> issue 50. Well, folks, thank you for listening this week. We appreciate it. Uh, next week, 
I will be away, but Vince and Zach will be here to, to guide you through all the DC comics that are uh, that are worth your time. So enjoy that. And until then, go to multiversitycomics.com and find all three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Nizanap. I'm at Vince Ostrowski. I'm at SirFox89. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for you are totally the dandy boy of the DC3 cast. Everyone loves you. Everyone wants to put you on their knee and give you a smooch. <laughs>